0: in many ways podcasting is kind of like an antidote to the internet age in many ways because when you're constantly looking for hits and fast traffic um podcasting is is a different type of medium that engenders a different type of relationship with audiences and it's one that i think is very valuable and will be and will be important uh, to kind of offset a lot of what's been happening in digital media
1: Welcome to It's All Journalism. My name is Michael O'Connell, here with another podcast about the changing state of digital news. This time around, I'm in studio with fellow producer Amber Healy talking about podcasting. The Tav Center for Digital Journalism at Columbia University just released a guide for journalists on podcasting. Joining us now via Skype is Vanessa Quirk, the author of that guide. The conversation begins with Vanessa explaining what got her interested in writing about podcasting
0: getting my master's last year at columbia university and one of my classes was uh, the future of journalism it was called it's with emily bell who is the director of the tau center of digital journalism at columbia and one of our assignments was basically to pitch Emily Bell an idea for something that the Taos Center could potentially fund and research, uh, some research that they could fund. Uh, And I was kind of thinking, okay, what interests me in the sphere of journalism right now? What's happening? And I've been an avid podcast listener for about five years. And it had been really interesting to me to watch it kind of snowball, the medium snowball since Serial and kind of generating all this interest. And so I had been following a lot of the articles and no one seemed to really understand if podcasting was even capable of making money, if it was viable in the long term. And in this class, we'd been talking about how media outlets are surviving this kind of transition to digital. And I was really curious, well, where do podcasts fit into that? Uh, So I pitched the idea to Emily Bell, and she really liked it. And so luckily, after graduation, uh, I was able to just kind of jump into the research and start kind of finding out, are podcasts um, viable in the long term for to make, generate revenue and kind of sustain themselves for journalists.
1: So it was definitely a a business focus that you were sort of jumping off from.
0: Yeah, that's what I was interested in just because I felt like that was what was missing.
1: Yeah. And and, um, I I think I said this in the email that I I wrote you as sort of uh, leading up to this, this conversation that I I really like this approach in, in, in the report, because I feel that this is kind of a, there's sort of this gap in the coverage of of what's going on in podcasting right now, or what's gone on, on the last couple of years, um, you mentioned serial, the, the "quote unquote" serial effect. Mm-hmm. Um, I think anybody who's been paying attention to podcasts and or, or are podcasting like I am, um, we're kind of, kind of surprised about serial, mm-hmm. at least the attention that it got. That, that suddenly that that was going to be sort of the validator of, of everything that was going on. But in actuality, it was sort of its own little thing. Like all of our podcasts are our own little things and maybe not representative of everything that was going on. Right. Uh, definitely. Around. So I, I'm i glad that you, you're taking this this perspective, and especially from a journalism perspective, uh, because I still think that you know, despite the fact that we do a podcast, about journalism. There are not a lot of podcasts about journalism. There are not a lot of journalism outlets that are, are sort of jumping into this, as many as there should be, I think.
0: Mm. And I think the guy is really oriented towards journalists, both independent journalists who are maybe thinking about entering podcasts, and also media outlets that are considering kind of incorporating podcasts into one of their offerings for, for, for readers or consumers. So those are kind of the two major people that I assume that this will be helpful for. Um, and because of that, for example, I don't talk too much about, you know, comedy podcasts or talk, uh, like typical talk radio type podcasts, because that's generally not what journalists are, are producing.
1: So why should journalists be podcasting?
0: Okay, so I think the first answer to that question is they shouldn't necessarily. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> That's, it's, that was a trick question. <laughs> and I think especially if you're an independent journalist or a freelance journalist, it's it's a lot of time. It's a lot of investment. And for a podcast to be successful, I think rule number one is quality and rule number two is, is regularity. And if If you don't have the time to invest in creating a regular podcast, it's probably going to end up folding, honestly, um, before you even have the the opportunity to raise an audience and the opportunity to raise revenue. Um, And I think there's a study online on Medium, actually, um, this sociologist named Josh Morgan, I think is his name. He went through the iTunes directory over, I think it was 10 years, and he discovered on average, most podcasts last six months, and that's about 12 episodes. So you can see there's always a lot of interest in starting uh, and then not very much in sustaining it. So that's the first thing. If you don't have the time and energy and the understanding that you're probably not going to be making money for a while, there's you shouldn't whatever. enter into <laughs> That said, um, if you do do it, if you do have the energy and passion for it, it's a very interesting and useful medium for connecting with readership. I mean there's there's a I mean it's kind of a cliche in the podcasting world to say, "Oh, you know, podcasts are so intimate, you're in the reader's ear." But there does seem to be some kind of fact behind that because audiences just tend to really engage with podcasts. They tend to regularly listen. If you're a podcast listener, you're very likely to listen often, regularly, and kind of with a sense of loyalty. And so, and plus they're connecting with your voice, who you are as a journalist. So oftentimes maybe they'll read an article and not even look at the byline. But if it's a podcast, they feel like they're listening to you. And so they come back to you. And so you can generate a relationship with your readers or listeners and I think that's a really unique and interesting thing that can then be leveraged for other things. You know, if you do conferences, speak get conferences, you know, maybe people are going to show up or if you want to sell a book or something, these people are probably going to be interested in what you have to say. So th- there's interesting things that that relationship can do, but you need to take the time to cultivate that and you need to make sure that that's going to be something that you're going to put in time and effort.
1: Yeah, and that's one of the things that uh, you know. I, in your report, you mentioned some of the in, in passing some of the uh, um, like entertainment type podcasts, like Mark Maron and and, and the Nerdist. Nerdist in particular is what it, what I'm actually kind of trying to refer to. I that was one of the podcasts that kind of inspired me. Another one was uh, Kevin Smith's podcast, mm-hmm. and, and and you know the the gospel that they were sort of preaching was go out and get a podcast, get your voice out there. And all this great stuff will happen, and I believe that is true. Um, but that may not that may not mean that you're going to make a lot of money, that you're going to be quote unquote successful as a business. Um, there are a lot of intangibles that are in this sort of mix that that are good and, and positive. I mean, you develop your audience, you get you know social engagement. But to build something that's sustaining, and certainly that's something that uh, people journalism out, outlets are going to be really interested in. And it's going to draw in and, and, and grow an audience. I mean, that does take time, and, and yeah. producing a good podcast takes time. Definitely,
0: um, and I think there's there's two major differences too with the, with a the comedy podcast. A, uh, for example, you know, Mark Maron was got out there pretty early, and the the field wasn't as saturated as it is now. Plus, he's just a really funny guy with great content, and in an interview format that doesn't involve too much editing or or you know, crafting. When you're a journalist and you want to create, for example, a, a well reported and investigated story and then present that perhaps in narrative form, that's a, an entirely different ballgame. Uh, it takes a lot of time, energy, effort, and you're not necessarily going to get the kinds of maybe massive listeners uh, as a, a comedian who just. Says hilarious things constantly. Yeah, <laughs> so you have to take all of those things in in into account.
1: Yeah, and that's one of the things that people don't even think about when they begin. You know, they're starting their own podcast is that some of the things you should might be listening to. You know, Mark Maron is a comedian. He's he's he knows how to think and and talk on his on his feet, and he's going to have guests who are who are the same way. Mm-hmm. So you having guests in, it, it becomes you know a whole level of. uh involvement in in guests in your guests and in interviewing and, and research that you may not even realize at the beginning in order for you to create content that people want to listen to mm-hmm. and, and and i think that's that's can be can be challenging from a, a creative standpoint uh, yeah. but the business the business point and, and this is what your your uh, uh your paper is about is the business side of it i think l- let's talk a little bit about that sure. um now there there are wide variety of uh, podcast philosophies out there and You focus on four of them mainly in the paper, uh, PRX's Reveal, Gimlet Media, BuzzFeed, and uh, Panoply. Why did you choose these ones to sort of uh, look at?
0: So I wanted to have four case studies and I wanted each case study to be emblematic of a different approach. So I first did all my interviews and then kind of isolated these four cases as as ones that I think are particularly interesting that people at different levels, uh, individuals or media outlets could kind of choose which one was most relevant to them. And I actually did have a fifth case study that, because of space purposes, had to be cut. Um, but That one is about um, an individual podcaster named Aaron Menke. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right. Uh, and he has that podcast, Lore, which he independently produces and that did extraordinarily well. And you can find that on the Tau Center blog. But um, because of time, I kind of focuses, focused on these four instead. Um, and I think they each have really interesting... Kind of pathways. So, for example, Reveal, I chose them because A, they're journalistic. They're an outgrowth of the Center of Investigative Reporting. And so they were really interested in this idea of how do we gain audience control? How do we have a relationship with our audience? Before this, they had been kind of distributing their content uh, via other places, via newspapers or via other websites. And so they wanted a way to transition towards creating a relationship with their, with their audience. And so they pivoted to podcasts. And I thought that was really interesting for, for media outlets to kind of look at. Uh, And they also have a very strong relationship with their network. For them, the network PRX was vital to their growth. So that is kind of uh, one way that you can go about it. If you join a network, they can oftentimes help you grow from zero, which is typically the most difficult stage of growth for a podcast. I looked at Gimlet Media, because I really couldn't, not look at Gimlet media because because everybody just seems so curious about Gimlet. And I think with good reason, because they're obviously doing very innovative stuff in native advertising and now branded content. And they're they're also very interesting too, because they're very transparent. Obviously, they have that um, podcast startup, which kind of chronicles the journey of their of their podcast company's origins. And so you see them grappling with a lot of ethical questions uh, of native advertising and journalism. And just also, they've just been really good at generating revenue and getting investment. So I think they're an interesting case study and a unique one. BuzzFeed, I wanted to look at because... It's kind of curious, like, why would BuzzFeed even go into podcasts? They obviously don't need podcasts. And also this assumption that, oh, because it's BuzzFeed, that must mean that they're looking to make budca- podcasts go viral and they're going to, you know, become the next cat listicle or something. And it was really interesting talking to the director at BuzzFeed, who's uh, Jenna weiss because that's completely not on her radar. What podcasts do for BuzzFeed is it allows them to kind of interact with audiences in a totally different way and add value to BuzzFeed readers in a way that, you know, a Catalysticle is all good and fun, but the BuzzFeed podcast, you have a relationship with the host and you come back to it and for them that adds value to the BuzzFeed brand. So that was really interesting. And then finally I looked at Panoply just because they have a really fascinating strategy about how they're going about they're cultivating relationships with different media outlets and helping them produce podcasts and they're also making some interesting tech plays that kind of shows how they're thinking for long-term gr- growth. So I think all of these four case studies just kind of show different ways that people are conceptualizing podcasting, what podcasting can do for them and how podcasting could potentially generate revenue for them.
2: See, I kind of want to play devil's advocate here for a second and maybe Go this is it. going off on a tangent, but if a podcast can bring value or readership or listeners to an existing media entity, whether that's a newspaper or um, a, a magazine or something that already exists online, wouldn't that actually make a stronger argument for why journalists should consider starting a podcast, whether it's on their own or as a feature on their, whatever their, their like home content outlet is?
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it's. I don't think it's actually that podcasts are bringing in audiences. For example, BuzzFeed is kind. Of, it's like the opposite. BuzzFeed has so many people that they can access that. Then they kind of have a built-in audience base that they can then say, "Hey, here's this podcast. Are you interested in that?" And then the people who are interested in that kind of become a different kind of BuzzFeed consumer. Um, there's a different type of relationship, and and then they can also consume this kind of media in a different way so podcasts are usually listened to maybe you're on the road maybe you're commuting maybe you're doing something that where you can't even read so it's kind of a way of offering your your audience a different way of engaging with your content i don't think it's so much necessarily about bringing in audiences because podcasts are it's that's kind of one of their major hurdles they're not yet accessing massive audiences the way that text uh, text media can.
1: Yeah. And, and BuzzFeed, you've got all those people there. So then it becomes, well, how are you going to monetize those people? Are, are the, is BuzzFeed, are they using um, the podcast at all for any type of monetization?
0: Yeah. And th- this was actually really interesting to me because BuzzFeed, at least at first, kind of gave their podcasting team the directive, just make good content, kind of experiment, innovate. I mean, BuzzFeed is generating enough revenue company-wide that they don't need to worry about uh, the podcasting division generating revenue right at the very beginning. So obviously that's a luxury that most media outlets don't have. Um, But because of that, they didn't even – they weren't even advertising. They weren't doing anything. They were just – creating the podcast and the the what actually happened was that people approached them advertisers approached them and said hey you know we'd love to be a part of this and so advertisers approached them curious to be involved because they knew that they were getting audience numbers or that the hosts were creating a great product a great quality show and so they only started doing that because of outside interest but i think they're actually shifting a little now i'd have to i'd have to call buzzfeed and, and kind of get an update but it looks like they're kind of looking more to, towards making short-term series um like for example they just launched one with lena dunham or lena dunham and i think that might be a new model where they create they have an agreement with us with a star celebrity author and they get paid for kind of a short-term run that might be the, their new way rather than focusing on advertising
1: yeah, and that's actually something, and this goes back to even serial. Although serial is supposed to be an ongoing series, they you know haven't gotten to their second round yet. But the fact that you know a lot of people a podcast is you know I'm going to run it for as long as I'm going to run it, unless of course they lose interest or whatever. Uh, but actually going out and creating a package of you know five, ten, six or uh, twenty episodes on a particular subject and, and selling that as you know, whatever the product is, I I think that that's something that's, that's going to be explored more as we move forward.
0: Yeah. And that also lends itself to branded content, what, um, Panably just did with the message. And that was, uh, produced by General Electric. And it was, it was a series, a sci-fi series. I think it was a eight episodes, if I'm not mistaken. And that seems to be a viable way potentially, uh, for people to produce content that is funded by an outside company
1: yeah and then so that you're actually you're able to sell them go to a company and say look we're, we're producing this really high quality you know report on something you know if you're a sponsor you know that that's ge's or mobile uh, or uh, mobile Exxon right. or whatever's um you know association with whatever this particular type of reporting and that's the type of model that you see like on pbs and right uh where where somebody will produce a piece and then then look for sponsorship around it so that that's one interesting way to do it but let's let's get even a little more geekier about about the the uh, (laughs) it was inevitable the business side (laughs) of it Uh, you know the 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 technological barriers that we're sort of facing it now you you sort of touched on on one hand about growing your audience uh, Mm -hmm. but there are some barriers at at the still at this point that are that are that are making it difficult for podcasts to sort of grow and be competitive. Can you talk about some of those?
0: I guess the the number one, which is kind of shifting now. Actually, I wrote the report in October. And in November, uh, Google announced that they were going to include podcasts in Google Play Music. And one of the major points of my report is that Android devices haven't really had an easy way of accessing podcasts. Um, the iPhone has had a native podcast app since, I think, November of last year or maybe even before that. And that was a huge turning point for for podcast consumption. Most podcast consumption happens on iOS devices. I, I want to say it's something like five to one uh, iOS to Android. So now that Android is going to make it uh, or Google is going to make it easier to download podcasts or rather stream podcasts via Google Play Music, that might change that because that was a big barrier. How do you reach Android audiences? That was one... Bigger than that, actually, is how do you convert non-podcast listeners into podcast listeners? But again, that might have to do with the ease of the technology. There's this question also of search and discoverability. How easy is it to search for podcasts? How easy is it to discover new podcasts? That's partly why it's so interesting that Google's entering the space and people like Spotify are entering the space because... They are in the business of making algorithms and of saying, hey, you." in Spotify's case, you, may, you liked this song. How about this song? So it'll be really interesting if that gets applied to podcasting and then making the kind of listening experience more seamless so that you can discover new ones and become kind of subscribers to new podcasts, car and dashboard technology. I mean, even though podcasting is growing, it, it doesn't even touch the numbers that radio has. Even though radio is somewhat declining, radio covers a huge swath of this country across generations, and most radio listening happens in cars.
1: Yeah, and, and that's actually a, a huge barrier still, and, mm-hmm. and I think this has explained why radio, despite the disruption in, in other parts of journalism and other parts of media, radio has been kind of immune from a lot of that. Because they they're so associated with that particular platform, and right. you know, mobile has has done so much to you know pull podcasting along. As, as people have have you know all the the figures and we'll show you that as people are becoming more used to using mobile devices, the the challenge then becomes is how do we get you know podcasting in as part of that mix? And iTunes and and Apple have been have been really. You know, at the forefront of that, but as you said, that they're only they're. I don't want to say they're a fraction because you know, technically everything's a fraction. <laughs> it, it, there are a lot of people who who uh, use iOS devices, but the the Android audience is much much larger uh, mm-hmm. a- around the world. And, yeah. you know, just talking about the US, it's a lot, but you know, around the world, it's 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 much much more. So you know, opening up those areas,
0: and I big. do think it's an important point that that you made. Podcasting is essentially a mobile medium. It's a mobile first medium, but at any rate, most podcast listening happens on mobile devices and that number keeps growing every, every year. So I think that's a really interesting element of what makes podcasting different from other types of medium. You're most likely listening to it on your phone. Uh, Maybe you're on the go, maybe you're going to sleep, but that is a very important part of the way you listen to podcasts. It's a mobile medium first
1: and foremost. Yeah. I think once, once the, they have sort of an easy play in the car, I think yeah. it's that we're going to see a huge spike in, in people becoming more comfortable with listening to podcasts. The other, the other technical area that, that we should sort of touch on is actually in the data ana, data analytics side of it. Definitely. And, and this is the real, this is the real meat for a lot of people. Um, certainly for in the radio industry of, you know trying to make po- podcasting viable they they need accurate data and that's something that's that i guess they're still struggling with
0: definitely and it's it's interesting because there has been progress made but it's very much on a on a platform to platform basis so for example soundcloud has Pretty good analytics. Acas is a, a Swedish company that um, is kind of selling itself on on the quality of its analytics. But the problem is that it seems like everybody's analytics exist in these little silos, and they don't have the ability to kind of a aggregate all the analytics of how people are listening across these different platforms. And and B, how to compare those numbers because everyone's using a slightly different vocabulary or a slightly different system. Maybe they're measuring downloads. Maybe they're measuring how streaming. And so it's not only a question of having better analytics or more comprehensive analytics. It's also a question of having industry standards of a way uh, that everybody can measure and have an understanding of this is what this number means. Because right now, there isn't
1: that. <laughs> yeah, because the businesses have got to be able, the podcasters have got to be able to go to an advertiser per se, or whomever they're trying to get funding from, and say, this is the this is the audience we've identified. These are how many people download, or the, the, the number of page views, or get whatever whatever you're using as your metric. And you know, you know, if you give us this X amount of money, we're going to be able to de- deliver you this size audience. And right from a certainly from a advertising standpoint, that's pretty understandable.
0: Absolutely. And I think advertisers up to now have just taken a leap of faith with podcasting it, it, to a large extent. They've kind of sensed that it's a sticky medium. And so they they pursued it, but they don't really have the kind of data that they would have with uh, other types of online advertising. I was going to say something else that I forgot.
2: <laughs> Jump with the question if you don't mind then. So there are there are a couple of businesses that are, and it's still relatively new, the idea of data analytics and data mining and looking at, you know, who's listening to what, where and when and for how long and how often. Um, that's something that the music industry has been dealing with a lot lately. It's sort of this new, holy crap, there's stuff here that we could use and we could use it to make a lot more money than we're making. Um, and I'm wondering if there's something similar that's looking sort of, you know, um, taking the bull by the horns and starting to collect those informa- that information, collect that data for podcasts. Is that happening within the podcasting
0: world? Yeah, it is a huge challenge for podcasters. That's they're definitely, definitely interested in this for their own purposes, for getting feedback on content, and then obviously for the advertising side to get information to their advertisers. Um, this is again, this is part of the problem. If you have a listener on iTunes, technically you know nothing about them. Mm-hmm. iTunes owns that information. And so you can't really access them and, and find out, you know, where they're from, how often they listen necessarily. Yeah. So that's a major problem. I think a lot of podcasts do this thing where they survey their listeners. But again, that's obviously a self-selecting group. They, they decide they love the podcast so much that they're going to take 10 minutes out of their day and and answer a survey. So there, it, right now there is no kind of accurate way of knowing who is listening to your, to your podcast. That's part of the problem, the technological problem with distributing on different platforms.
1: Yeah. And, and without that kind of data, it, it's difficult to make a lot of decisions. And the fact is that the way things are sort of now, the the podcaster who's trying to grow their podcast is faced with a challenge, you know one technological one well, it's all technological, but where not only do you need to sell people on whatever your message is, whatever your your subject is, but you, you've got to sell people on podcasting. We're still in, yeah. we're still in that that realm that it's not so much in, it's not in every car, it's not in every house people People aren't necessarily seeking out podcasts to listen to. Uh,
0: yeah. I think one of the people that I spoke to said it's, it's just the click hasn't really happened in that podcasting is just on demand audio. Um, I mean that understanding has kind of come for, for video on demand video. There's an understanding of what that is and what that entails, but it's still kind of slow coming for, for podcasting.
1: Yeah. But on the other hand, you know, you look at something like, um, um, audiobooks. I mean, audiobooks do well people mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. people can get that idea oh it's a book I'm gonna buy this book um, and which I'm gonna they, listen to it while I'm in my car which people have been doing for yeah. years and years yeah right and, and it's sort of that's there there's that type of play in, in how to make this viable but you know at the end of the day i'm a I'm a news outlet that you know has certain you know, certain things I need to meet for my mission. I mean, why am why am I going to invest resources in creating a podcast? What's, what's the bang for the buck for it? I wonder.
2: You see, this is something that I was trying to get to earlier. You know, if I'm a reporter, um, you know, Mike and I came from community newspapers. If I'm a reporter and I'm working on a story, there's way more information that I have that I can put in whatever article or series I'm writing. And mm-hmm. so to have a, the possibility of taking that story that I've written and doing, you know, um, doing a podcast on it so people who might not be able to read it, but they want, they're they curious, they want to learn more, they want to have more information, they can go and listen to the podcast that accompanies the story. Or during an election time, you could have your articles that are written in, you know, whatever publication and then have on the side, like, you know, check out this podcast where we interview the candidate. Yeah,
1: it's an added value. Exactly. It, it's, yeah.
2: It's a tool. It's another resource that a journalist could use to deepen and expand their coverage.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That's what, and that's what PRX's reveal is all about. I mean, if they have a story, they might have six different versions of that story. They'll have the text version. Maybe they'll have an interactive media. Maybe they'll even have a video. But they'll always, almost always, have a podcast because it, it gives them to, the space to really explore these issues in depth, have a conversation, do an interview in a way that a lot of the other media doesn't really let you.
1: Yeah, and, and a couple of um, things i mentioned on our podcast a, a few times. We we talk, uh, spoke to PJ Tobia who does uh, the shortwave podcast for PBS NewsHour, and that's you know a five-, ten-minute uh, podcast that he does every week uh, based on the reporting that they're doing that week, or maybe he's gone out and done a special report just for the podcast and, and sort of is a way to sort of fold that into the rest of their coverage. And then likewise, there's this other one um, that the Arkansas Times does. It's a, it's a week-in-review podcast, and, and it's exactly that. You know, they've got uh, journalists are going out in the field and covering things. They'll bring them in, they'll sit them down, they'll talk about the big stories, but then they'll talk about stuff that they're working on. And it's a, a way to sort of enhance um, the reader experience for the news that you're already doing.
0: Definitely. And I think one thing that I should probably note, or I think it's important to note, is that these types of reporting, um, these types of podcasts, even if they have excellent investigative reporting or really important they're probably not going to get as many listeners as a comedy podcast, right? So the the opportunity for making revenue, for example, via advertising is both, A, ethically a little dubious because when you're doing reporting, you want to make sure you have a separation between advertising and content. Um, but B, you're maybe not even going to generate that much revenue from advertising because investigative reporting as important, as it is, as much as I believe in it, and I think I'm sure we all do, it's not going to create massive audiences typically. So, for example, what Reveal does is they have a very strong branch that where they get revenue from from foundations, from kind of non for profit foundations that provide a, a huge part of their funding. So that for them is is really vital to their to their survival. They need to kind of cultivate these grants from from. Kind of philanthropic organizations.
1: Yeah, and, and the the podcast is, is sort of becomes sort of not necessarily the in some cases the the money maker, but it's it's maybe the thing that that pulls people in, and then you make your money some some other way, like exactly. like, like an event. I know that uh, um, that PBS Media Shift does something similar. They'll go out and they'll do training sessions, and they'll use the podcast to sort of push. Uh, people to go do that and then the training sessions then become or lectures or whatever then become money-making ventures that serve their mission but also help to, to pay for the podcasting.
0: I think that's exactly right. It seems to be a really great way of jumpstarting other initiatives, but it won't necessarily make money in and of itself.
1: Yeah. And and you touch on a couple of different things that I think are really important for people who are starting podcasts to understand is, you know, and I've mentioned this a couple of times, I I mentioned this when when I do presentations about how to podcast, your audience is going to be small. It's going to mm-hmm. be a lot smaller than you imagined. Unless, you are, you know, unless you're you know, um, serial and you have PBS or you have NPR ha- having the, that bullhorn to, to promote what you're doing, you're going to have probably an audience in the hundreds
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and you know, maybe in the low thousands if, if you're lucky. And that's an audience that you're going to need to build towards.
0: Yeah. And I think, I, I think that's why networks are becoming a, more important and more relevant because although, I mean, typically you need to have a certain number of listeners before a network will even consider you. Um, but if you're able to get on a network, a lot of times they'll, they'll help you kind of grow, get that initial stage of growth, which is so important. Um, but, but yeah, I think you're absolutely right. You ha- your expectations have to be <laughs> realistic.
1: Well, and the other thing to sort of talk about networking is, um, you know, I've I've heard a couple of people speaking about uh, growing your audience in podcasting and, and the best way to do it. And this is sort of gets around the thing I was talking about before, which is the first battle that you have to fight is getting people to listen to a podcast yeah. is actually, you know, try to leverage the audience that's out there. If you're a podcaster, go on other podcasts, because that audience, those audiences are already buying into podcasting and, and try to try to get some of those people into your audience. Uh, so you don't have to make that sale. You don't have to try to convince them that that, that podcasting is something they should be taking part of.
0: Definitely that's not really the fight that an individual podcaster wants to be taking on. I mean that's the fight that these these big noun big networks are kind of taking on like how do we? introduce podcasting to people who have never listened to podcasts. And I think they have the, the resources and manpower to do it, but you as an individual, maybe not so much.
1: Exactly. And that's why, again, I think, you know, I agree with you. I think that's why then networks become much more important because, I mean, look at a TV network, you've got all types of programming, uh, reaching all different types of audiences and you're promoting your content uh, in different shows, you know, and that, that's something that, that, you know, hopefully would you'd be able to do in a, in a podcasting type network.
0: Yeah. And I think that's what, uh, the kind of the strength of panoply's strategy in in their kind of partnering with a bunch of different media outlets or authors or celebrities they're tapping into each of that those people's I- individual audiences and hopefully exposing them to podcasts for the first time and and The great thing about podcasting is that most people once they start listening they kind of get hooked and they go from podcast to podcast to podcast. So um, I think that's kind of, that's why their strategy is really interesting and hopefully will grow the greater podcast listening audience.
1: Yeah. And, and that's really, again, useful for, you know, you just not having to do that fight and, and people who become interested and hooked on podcasts are constantly looking for different new, uh, mm-hmm. you know, ex- re- listening experiences. So, you know, associating yourself with other podcasts, with other networks, It is a great way to sort of grow things. Now, people are going to be able to get this uh, report on the Tao website.
0: Yeah, it's going to be available on Monday, which is... Monday, December. <laughs> I've lost track of time. Um, Monday. The seventh. Yeah. Okay, so it'll be available on the Tau Center website, Monday, December seventh, I think, from one p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So I know you're all waiting at your computers. So one p.m., okay. it'll be available. And I think you, it's freely, completely freely uh, accessible for, I believe, for if not necessarily for download, but for viewing. And that's part of the Tau Center mission that you know all of the reports and research are open source, open access.
1: So what what's next for you? Are you gonna podcast?
0: I would like to, yeah. <laughs> uh I have one on the back burner. I'm gonna start uh interviewing, start interviewing people for it this month. And hopefully in the, in the new year, you'll be able to, to download
1: it. Well, cool. Let us know what it is so that we Thank can, you. we can share it out. Uh, this is, this has been great and, and I appreciate you coming in and, or coming in or uh, getting up I'm early and talking in. to us about mm-hmm. it. We're going to, we're going to post this the same week that your report goes up great. Uh, and we'll have a link to uh, uh, the Tow Center report. I, you know, went through it this morning. It's, there's a lot of meat in here and a, a lot of, aspects of podcasting that, that I think have been needed to be sort of filled in. I mean, and it, it's cool that it's the, that it's being released at the end of the quote unquote uh, year of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that thing that I, it's been years of, of the podcast. Podcasting yes. is still going to go on. Um, but it, for whatever media needed a hook. And, and so they made 2015 the year of the podcast, but, but I think podcasting is going to go on a while wa-
2: on a while and, um, but now it's officially christened as a thing. Exactly, yes. but it
1: but it's 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 reports like this that are really important to sort of fill in those gaps and make people have a greater understanding of what they're dealing with. I see that I, was the thing that I always found kind of I don't want to say upsetting or bothers bothersome about a lot of the coverage early on was just you you're not really talking about what the real issues are and, and giving people an understanding of the challenges that they really face. Um, you know, that a business person is going to look at podcasts and they're going to say, oh, well, there's no money to be made here. I'm going to go elsewhere. But there, you know, there are things in podcasting that, that, you know, I think are going to create value and I think it's going to continue to grow.
0: And, so, and I think the the phrase that I use in the, in the report is that in many ways, podcasting is kind of like an antidote to the internet age in many ways, because when you're constantly looking for hits and fast traffic, um, podcasting is, is a different type of medium that, Engenders a different type of relationship with audiences, and it's one that I think is very valuable and will be and will be important uh, to kind of offset a lot of what's been happening in digital media. So, and if and and again, as you were saying. It's has it has a history, podcasting, you know, it's been around, and this it doesn't everything that's been happening is just a new and interesting and stage. Um, and if anyone's interested, I actually created a a timeline of podcasting's history, which is a little bit of a of a quick hit. So maybe you can provide that um, that link as well because I think it's fun to kind of look at how how podcasting has grown over the past you know, ten, fifteen years.
1: yeah, it, it just didn't fall off the tree. It's it's been, yeah. it's been around for a while. Thank you very much for for, for talking about it. this. is great. I really enjoy the 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 report, and I hope that that people will take a look at it because I think there's a lot in there uh, to be t- to glean from it.
0: Well, uh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. You've been listening to It's All
2: Journalism, a weekly podcast about the changing state of digital news. Find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. You can also download episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter at All Journalism. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening.